0: Only one day to the fight now, how do you feel? I am feel, I am very feel. Welcome back to episode 212 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast here on the boxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings.
1: What up, Vince? What's going on, brother? Uh for all the times that we are told that we have to eat crow for this and that and the other and being wrong all the time mm-hmm. about our predictions, you can all suck on the tip of my D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very feel. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, Alexander Usyk put on, uh, one of the, you know, in a fight that was so lopsided, it's going to go down as one of those memorable, you know, just master class performances that you look back to when you talk about, um, you know, two guys that are, you know, in the Vegas sports books, um, uh, in the conversation is just very 50, v- 50 leading up to this thing. You had the best and the second best cruiserweights in the world squaring off for the world boxing super series final. And what a performance that Alexander Usyk put on against Murat Gassiev. We also have Jaime Mungia versus Liam Smith in an action-packed fight from Las Vegas, Nevada. And we got a little fight preview today, Then Mikey Garcia versus Robert Easter Jr. in a unification fight. And then a circus attraction, Dillian White squares off against Joseph Parker. Lots to talk about, buddy.
1: Uh, let's just hope that Joseph Parker sends Dillian White and all his fanboys to hell, Kim.
0: Oh I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out this Dillian White thing. Uh, I I just don't get it. I I will never get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to episode two hundred twelve of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts, and drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings eighty one and at Kenny Keith. Junior. All right, let's get right down to it. The World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Final, Alexander Usyk versus Murat Gassiev for the undisputed Cruiserweight Championship of the world as the four major belts and the Ring Magazine belt on the line. Uh, this would be crowning the first undisputed champion at 200 pounds since the great and legendary Hall of Famer Evander Holyfield did it. And this would be the first time that all four major belts and the Ring Magazine belt, every single belt would go to the winner. Um, Coming into this fight, huge on paper, 50-50, everybody anticipating fireworks with the explosiveness and the devastating power of Murat Gassiev. How would this mesh with a Southpaw boxer? I think that if you really want to know what happened in this fight, instead of wasting 45 minutes doing a show, then just have everybody go back and listen to the fucking preview because Alexander <laughs> Usyk hit
1: it dead nuts for us. He, he did. He did. I mean, it's it, here's all you can say pedigree, 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 pedigree. I mean, that's, that was the difference in this fight. You see, you saw a guy who's just has elite elite level footwork, uh, uh, pound for pound footwork in the sport of boxing. I, there's never been a cruiser cruiserweight that moves like him. Uh, he is the best cruiserweight since Evander Holyfield. Maybe the best cruiserweight of all time. Uh, at me, if you want to, I don't fucking care. Uh, I'm sorry that that performance was just on another fucking level. I mean, you know, everybody. I to me, I, it was crazy that the odds were even coming into this fight, and I just wish, wish, wish I had the balls to bet more than I did. But I, I, I mean. You go back and you look at it, you know, with hindsight and you, and you say, yeah, yeah, I mean, that seems like a, a, a very good possibility of the outcome that happened happening. It's Usyk is just he's he's showing everybody with these performances and especially with that performance last night that he is one of the five best fighters in the sport of boxing boxers boxing. His boxing IQ is off the fucking charts, man, off the charts.
0: Yeah, and you know, we saw a new layer folded into this, you know, dynamic skill set that Alexander Usyk has. You know, he was criticized early on. I mean, this guy, you know, this was his 15th professional fight, but guys that have um, you know, th- the type of background that Alexander Usyk has, Vasiliy Lomachenko was subjected, you know, to the same criticisms, and there have been fighters that have come out of this Ukraine, Soviet, you know, uh former Soviet Russian style factory style boxing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that these guys get very rigid very regimented and sometimes can't break the mold of their amateur styles where you can score points with any punch regardless of how devastating or violent it is I think that the criticisms of Usyk not being like a natural puncher and I don't mean like a power puncher but I mean like his punching style is more mechanical Mm -hmm. than you know than it is fluid I think we've seen spurts of him getting better and better at this, and I think that what you're seeing is a guy that has adapted his amateur style now into a professional style. Does he have that kind of uh, power that Murat Gassiev has? No. Does he have the kind of power that a lot of guys at this weight have? No, absolutely not. But what we have now seen in this performance against Gassiev is a guy that is starting to put it all together and blending his amateur style into the school of Papachenko, mm-hmm. um, Vasili Lomachenko's father, training him now, and what we're seeing is a very, you know, they kept saying it during the broadcast, and I know it's very cliche at this point to say that, you know, Usyk is a giant Lomachenko or Lomachenko is a miniature Usyk, but the fact remains, you touched on his footwork, but what I saw in this fight against Gassiev was a commanding and devastating jab. The jab looked sharper. It looked harder than ever, right? And I think that that first round, by the end of the first round, just look at Murat Gassiev's forehead, and you know exactly where this fight is going. I mean, he got absolutely fucking peppered to the forehead with that jab. But then what we saw later on, and we have talked about this with Alexander Usyk his entire career, is that this guy does his best work at the end. And the fact that he got out to such a mind-blowing lead through the first half of that fight. I mean, if you didn't have that thing 6-0, at, you know, after the first six rounds, you're fucking drunk. I'm sorry. And... He just started gaining momentum and gaining momentum and gaining momentum. And then what we started to see that was so impressive to me was the five, six, seven punch combinations that looked fluid, that looked soupy, that didn't look as robotic and mechanical. Everything looked natural. His hand speed, his accuracy, his multi-punch combinations, and his footwork for the first time as a professional all came together in a perfect package.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's going to be to me it will be the signature performance of his career. And whether you come out of that fight saying, Oh, we overrated Gassiev and this, that, and the other, you know, that's fine. You you can, you can say that if you like, but the bottom line is this, if you're let's, let's say you're training a, a young fighter coming up in the game and you want to prove to them, like you're trying to get somebody to, to realize how much using the ring, keeping the fight in the center of the ring, but using the entire ring, not using the ropes, using the ring, and, and and having a jab, how much you can control a fight with just those two things—the ability to move and keep your. Gassiev was was not able to get set, and when he did get set to throw his power punches, Usyk saw it coming from a mile away and got out of the way. It was it was a very reminiscent performance of Billy Joe Saunders against David Lemieux, where the uh, David Lemieux just couldn't he just couldn't get set, he couldn't get anything off, and Gassiev had no. Absolutely no answer for what Usyk was, was presenting to him in the ring. It, the footwork was so fucking unbelievable. It was by far the best performance we've seen him have in the biggest fight of his career to date. And, yeah, he's 30 years old, but guess what? This guy's – he's still improving. He's going to get better. And if he makes his way to the heavyweight division, like that's what the talks are now, that he's he's headed there eventually – I I can't see anybody in the heavyweight division that has an answer for that footwork and that jab other than maybe having the range to keep him out of range to be able to land at all. But if he is able to do what he did in that Gassiev fight with a Anthony Joshua, a Deontay Wilder, I don't think they can beat him, Ken. I think this guy could become the heavyweight champion of the world in two years.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, look, I'm totally with you with that. Um, I think it's pretty clear. Look, he, he just possesses a combination of size and strength. You know, he's not in there just dancing around. He
1: looked you know, bigger I mean, than Gassiev.
0: He did. He looked healthier. He looked yeah. stronger. Look, and, and, and one thing that a lot of people do touch on, but you can't say it enough, man. The guy's conditioning is second to none in the oh sport of God. boxing. He has been VADA enrolled for a long time. I mean, this guy gets constantly tested. He is a consummate professional. He's a man of God. This guy is for... He's got a great personality, Mm -hmm. but this dude is very serious about what he does. He's a very conservative individual who loves to have fun. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think a lot of people sort of overestimate him because coming up as a professional, you fight all these sort of different styles. It's not like he's just been sitting on his hands. I mean, this guy has fought the best of the best. And here's why I'm not saying he's better than Vander Holyfield all time. He has not reached that point yet. No. Okay. But when it comes to best cruiserweight of all time, yes, I will say it right now. Alexander Usyk is the greatest cruiserweight in the history of boxing, and here's why. He went on the fucking road to do it all. Four
1: straight on the road.
0: He won his first championship on the road. He fought every single fight in the hometown of the, his opponents in the World Boxing Super Series. We may never see a deeper or a, a more talented crop of eight fighters from now, who knows, maybe for the next five or ten years at any weight class, right? Mm-hmm. That this world boxing super series can put together, and that's just political allegiances, uh, you know. Alone, you have to go real into the super duper super small weight classes, or you have to get up to cruiserweight to these international weight classes mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of money going on. These guys have to take risks to get the bigger paydays, and that's what that was the um, the perfect recipe for the cruiserweight division coming together and putting on such a great tournament, right? But the fact that Alexander Usyk has done all of this in such a short period of time going on the road, I mean, dude, he's building one of the best resumes of the last 20 years in boxing. This guy has not even begun to, you know, to scratch the surface. There's so many different possibilities and directions that he could go. He could jump straight to heavyweight if he wants to. Personally, if he does that, there's one logical first fight to make. And I think we've been talking about, everybody's been talking about this on Twitter in the last 12 hours, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the Bellew fight. Because, like Usyk said, if Bellew doesn't want to come down to cruiserweight, well, guess what? Usyk was fucking chowing down in some food-eating contest last night with a fucking sandwich as big as his head. <laughs> Looks like he's ready to go up to heavyweight and fight <laughs> Bell. U. Right. Either way, look, I know we got a lot of UK listeners to the show. I'd say half of them think fucking Bellew is a bell end, and I think the other half think that Bellew is... The greatest British fighter of all time, besides Joe Calzaghe, <laughs> right. right? I think there's one 100% definitive truth, right, in this world that we live in, this human world, this mortal world that we live in. Tony Bellew stands a zero percent chance, whether it's at cruiserweight or heavyweight. <laughs> I would love to see the fight. The promotion would be interesting because Usyk's a goofball, and Bellew just talks shit because that's what his shtick is. Yeah, Tony Bellew will get embarrassed in the same fashion that Murat Gassiev did.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any question. And and if there's one wish on my wish, wish list in boxing right now, it, it is that that fight gets made. And that Tony Bellew can be once and for all, have his mouth shut. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the entertainment value that Tony Bellew brings to a promotion and brings into a fight. I don't necessarily think he's as bad as he may as. He may come off when we talk about him. He's he's a good fighter. I mean, he's been able to do accomplish quite a bit in the sport, but I mean, there there's 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 just a serious gap in skill. Uh, between Alexander Usyk and, and Tony Bellew. And, and
0: Bellew's a fat heavyweight. <laughs> yes. He's only a heavyweight because he's fucking lazy. Uh, and he's only a heavyweight because he fought David Hayes' sorry ass. Right.
1: I, I mean, I I don't even necessarily – he's he's dabbled at heavyweight against a clown. Two-
0: I dabble in 20-piece <laughs> fried chicken buckets from KFC, Then
1: <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I mean, it's – to me, look, and here's another thing. Coming out of that last night, there's this – You know, I know people were probably a little bit disappointed with the overall fight, but, you know, if you can't appreciate what what Usyk did last night, then you really don't like boxing. You like, go watch bare knuckle fighting, you know, go watch bum fights on YouTube. Kimbo slice videos. I I mean, it's, you have to, if you're going to call yourself a boxing fan and you can't appreciate what this guy does in the ring, then you don't really like boxing, period. The guy, don't, don't tell me he runs and this and that and the other. No, he does not. He is a master, master fucking boxer. There's a big difference between what Erzlandi Lara did does against guys that he doesn't want to get hit by when he skirts the fucking rings, uh, the ropes for 12 fucking rounds, or using the ring to your advantage and directing a fighter however you like, like a fucking matador, which is what he did last night to Gassiev. I mean, the guy deserves 100% respect, and furthermore, we deserve 100% respect, Ken. Indeed. We've been on it since day one. Yeah, and
0: get on my D. <laughs> now. <laughs>
1: Polish it. Respect these nuts, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, look, 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 you know, for those people that are, are taking that, you know, sort of tone, um, you know, with Usyk, yeah. clearly, first off, they picked Gassiev to win, right. right? They wanted to see an all-out brawl. Yeah, sure, I would have loved to see a brawl, too. But let's put this into perspective, because there's a lot of people out there that over the last 10 years have spent a ton of time telling us, right, how amazing master boxer, greatest of all time Floyd Mayweather is, right? Mm -hmm. Andre Ward, master boxer, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Guillermo Rigondeau, master boxer. Arislandi Lara, master boxer, right? The greatest boxers of the last decade, Vin. Yeah. They have defined what it is to be an elite technician. Here's the thing. Alexander Usyk throws more punches in one fight than all four of them combined <laughs> in one fight. You understand what I'm saying? He threw 900-plus last yeah. night, didn't he? He threw almost 940 punches to Gassiev's 300 punches. He threw his most punches in the 11th and 12th round of the fight. I said, uh, didn't, we, didn't we say that was going to happen? Yes, how many times, go back through all 212 of our episodes how many times have I repeated that Alexander Usyk in a fight is a snowball rolling downhill yep. gaining momentum he's got some of the best fitness in the game you can hate boxing all you want to but when the master boxer in the ring is throwing 1000 punches at 200 pounds yeah. and throwing five six punch soupy combinations i don't think i've ever seen fucking floyd mayweather since maybe you know hold on circa 2002 right okay right yeah Andre Ward in the history of his career and Guillermo Rigondeau and Arislandi Lara's careers combined throw more than a one-two
1: no you're exactly two right. punch combination yeah.
0: you know what I mean so stop it okay everybody take a step back re-watch the fight so you can learn yourself something about what it is to be a master boxer I agree with you Alexander Usyk, if you're into pound-for-pound list, has now solidified himself as one of a very few handful of absolutely elite fighters in the game today that are so many levels above everybody around them, right? He enters that category um, with, like you said, so far. Now yeah. only his 15th fight, a career-defining one, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and 30 years old. I mean, this guy's in the prime, prime of his career, I I cannot wait to see what his next move is. I think the the move to heavyweight is so fucking intriguing, because I I really do in the back of my mind. I mean, can I see him losing? Yeah, I could see him losing, but I can see him dominating almost everybody in the heavyweight division and raising all four belts in the heavyweight division too. That's how highly I think of the guy. You know, is that going to be a? That's a very daunting task to think about. Having to beat a guy that's six foot six, six foot seven. Let's say Tyson Fury gets back to reigning the heavyweight division uh, in, in two years. Yeah, that's a tall task to ask him to go fight a guy that's six foot eight and has a eight inch reach advantage on him. But if there's somebody who has the skill and acumen to make it happen, it's fucking Usyk, man. The guy's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his skill level is definitely far superior than anybody in the heavyweight division right now. Just the athleticism. Now, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, what happens if Usyk puts on 15 or 20 pounds? Then what? Um, mm, he
1: I, walks around at 220, man.
0: You know, and here's the thing. I, I, I've seen two very small heavyweights. Wilder weighs
1: 215.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. You know, and, and, and if you look back to the days of Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson, those guys didn't weigh much more than that during their entire careers. Right. Yeah, they were smaller for heavyweights. Small heavyweights have dominated the sport at points. Not everybody's fucking Vitali Klitschko and Deontay Wilder. Right. Okay, right. let's get past it. We have repeatedly said, even though Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are the best at heavyweight right now, right now, right? This is, they're the best in the age of the prospect champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Alexander Usyk had more experience in his first 100 amateur fights then all of these guys combined, I, you know, all of their amateur careers combined don't equal that because these guys were never meant to be that skilled. I think his rise to the heavyweight division is something to watch. I think that we could be looking at somebody because we know the attention that heavyweights get mm-hmm. is he if he if Oleksandr Usyk is able to transition into the heavyweight division and just flat out outbox out these guys. I mean, dude, you're going to be talking about one of the greatest fighters of all time. You really are. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying top 10. I'm not saying top 20. Right. You're going to be... He's going to be in the same conversation... In this modern era? Yes, as the Manny Pacquiao's, yeah. the Oscar De La Hoya's, the Floyd Mayweather's. He'll be in the same category. We're,
1: we're not... Yeah, we're, we're not going to go HBO boxing here and start comparing him to fucking Willie Pep and whoever the <laughs> fuck... And fight. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, it's not... It doesn't go that far. It's... it's... Although Usyk is the same size as Ali. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's got the same birthday, too. Yeah. Born on the same day. And that hands, feet, man. <laughs> yeah. He got the Ali Hands. He speed. did the shuffle, too. You see that shuffle? Oh, the icky shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, dude, I would just I love it. And uh, the guy has, you know, he, three, four years ago became one of my favorite fighters in boxing. And to be able to see, you know, him be able to do what we kind of all thought he was going to do, it became pretty clear about six, seven fights in that this guy's he's just different level stuff that he's doing in the ring. You know, I'm happy for the guy. He's good for boxing. Uh, Whatever he does next is going to be intriguing as hell. And I think moving forward, this guy's, I mean, the sky's the limit as far as what this guy can do in the sport, you know, what kind of money he can make in the sport, which I know some people give a fuck about.
0: Uh, He just made his retirement money in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I I see a lot of fucking numbers being thrown around. And And, of course, you know, Eddie Hearn throws his hat in the ring like he knows exactly what... Usyk made. Usick
0: made over ten million dollars in this tournament.
1: Yeah, I, I, I want to say he made. Uh, I know for a fact he made at least four million last night. I think it might have been seven overall. It was a two million dollar bonus for winning the tournament. Yeah, and it was over two million dollar purse for each fighter. Yeah, and I think there was other whatever else was involved on, on top of it. Where else is a cruiserweight gonna and make it, that kind of money? Uh, nowhere. Uh, I don't think any cruiserweight was sniffing anywhere near that fucking money. And, and you know, Eddie Hearn's out here saying in the possible, you know, Bellue fight, well, yes, uh Usyk is if you're talking about skill and, and what a, what a fighter has accomplished, then Usyk is the A side. But if you're talking about who makes the most money and who brings the most money, it's Tony Bellew. And he's the A it's like Oh Jesus fucking Christ, man. Is that a is this guy serious? Is this fucking guy serious?
0: Just uh, then then bypass him. I mean, Tony Bellew made it very clear before the David Hay fights that he was just trying to make as much money as he could as possible. I don't, really think,
1: I don't really think they're interested. If, if I'm Hearn and Bellew, I'm not quite sure they're interested in making that fight when, you can, when Hearn can put him in the ring with Joshua while they further delay this Joshua Wilder yeah. shit till 2028 or whenever the fuck they're going to fight. I mean, it, you can see the path for Joshua line, like Hearn getting his ducks in a row for reasons why the Wilder fight is not going to happen.
0: You know what I picture? What's really going on between Eddie Hearn and Tony Bellew as it pertains to a possible Alexander Usyk fight behind closed doors is you have Tony Bellew is be real from Cypress Hill, right? And Eddie Hearn is sendog, and Tony, and they are singing the song in in private quarters, Tony Bellew's. I ain't going out like that. And, <laughs> and Eddie Hearn's like, we ain't going out. Ain't going out like that. We ain't going out like that. We ain't going out. You know, they're not going to fucking end, no. end, end, end Tony Bellew's free ride of being overpaid against chumps. No. He's making more money than he has ever deserved based off of, of, of any accomplishment or skill or anything. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's the advantage of living on a tiny island
1: yeah. where there aren't much choices past fucking soccer. Yeah. I mean, look, just go to what fucking Dillian White is getting paid. 3.8 million pounds. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's obscene. It, it, good for him, I, you know, but Jesus Christ, the, that does not correlate with his standing or skill level or however you want to place him in, in the heavyweight division. He's like the seventh or eighth best heavyweight in the world if you're being generous. Yeah. Okay? And he's making 3.8 bill- or billion, million pounds. Mm-hmm. That's fucking, ins- that's $5 million plus. <laughs> America, that's ridiculous. The guy stinks. Dude, that
0: must make Deontay Wilder want to turn um, Al Heyman into Marcellus Wallace <laughs> in the famous Gimp scene. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, seriously, he, he, he you have to go to your boss, you know, the one that is paying you and that is, you know, has not been promoting his career. Maybe he could fucking put Lou DiBella in the gimp, the, you know, the gimp suit with the ball gag. You oh, know? That would be great. You know? Um, <clears throat> you have to be asking these people, how is this chump whose claim to fame, right, was this mysterious, you know, nobody knows if it exists, amateur fight between Dilly and White where he
1: dropped Anthony Joshua, right? Mm-hmm. And a seven round was a seven round performance. Yeah, I think he got he got iced in the seventh round. And when I mean iced, he got fucking knocked the fuck out.
0: And a floppy, a flabby tit, flopping fucking fight of the year. Do you like that? A lot of Fs there. <laughs> um candidate against Derek Chisora.
1: Other than that, like what has he done? Derek Chisora beat him. <laughs> Period. I yeah. don't care what anybody fucking says. But this guy has earned that? Dude, this anybody watch his fight against Robert Hellanius? You want to fucking be put to sleep? You want to go Rigo style? Yeah. Nap, put that fucking fight on.
0: He just must be collecting on a promise that was made by Eddie Hearn. Like, listen, I know it's too early for you to get in here with Anthony Joshua. We got to build this guy up to get him some belts. So if you get in here and get knocked out, I'll fucking take care of you for the rest of your life. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, he's, he's he. there's no more average fighter in boxing than Dillian White. And the guy is getting paid four times more than... Almost every single number one ranked fighter in every division. Yeah, it's insane, fucking insane. Except maybe middleweight and heavyweight. Yeah,
1: I, I I don't get it. It's fucking mind blowing.
0: So yeah, it is mind blowing. All right, you know we're getting a little too far here. All I know is that Alexander Usyk could beat pretty much everybody at heavyweight, except for the guys that are over six foot six. Those would be the guys that I would have the biggest questions about. Yep, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. So you got Joshua Wilder and Tyson Fury but we'll see. Murat Gassiev, well, I guess he doesn't have to go to heavyweight right now, right? I think he should just go and fight some of these guys
1: at at, at cruiserweight. Well, I, wouldn't you I, I would say after this tournament, I think it's safe to say that the second best cruiserweight in the world is Marys Bradus. Yeah, I think so.
0: They should have a fight.
1: Yeah, I I mean,
0: dude,
1: I I think Gassiev would have the same type of of struggles that he did with Usyk, he he would have with Bradus. I I I really do. So, you know, I to me, the smart move for Gassiev is take your ass up the heavyweight and go fight the likes of Tarek Chisora, Tony Bellew. Carlos DeCam. Yeah, fight guys that are going to be a little bit more in front of you where your devastating power comes into play because against guys that can move and box, he'll never win. I'm sorry.
0: See, Bredis can box, um, but Bra- Bredis can't move like Usyk. And I don't think that somebody like – I don't think Gassiev is going to be stymied in the same way. I don't think, think Bradis has anything – that could demoralize Gassiev.
1: No, but I think it would be a very close fight.
0: Well, yeah, I know, and, and that's, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And that's why I think it should happen. Yeah. I think that Bradus is very susceptible to that kind of power, you know? Mm-hmm. But Gassiev's going to have to uh, go back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, remember what it's like to throw more than one punch at a time.
1: I, I, I'll tell you what would have been nice, and I know. look, to, don't get me wrong, I'm not asking for any fucking change, and that WBSS tournament came off great minus the small delay, which is going to fucking happen sometimes. or You're dealing with a, 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 a physical contact sport. Injuries happen. But it would have been really nice to have Dortica, Dortico's Bradis as a lead-in mm-hmm. to to Usyk Gassiev. You could have just a third-place match. And I know it doesn't mean shit, but, you know, why not? Why not?
0: Well, I think it, you know, it, it look, you know, not to, um, you know, get wrapped around the axle uh, here with all of this, but I think that th- there was a feeling I had during the Gassiev-Dortico's fight, which I never thought it was a fight of the year candidate. No. I know it was an exciting fight. and no. You know, but to me, Dortico's is a one-trick pony. He's got amazingly long arms, and he's got really good straight punch power. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly that Murat Gassiev is just as limited as Dortico's. So when you have two guys that are limited, that are right in front of one another, this is the result that you get, Okay. Um, I think Breda schools Dortico's. I think Dortico's is too much of a one-trick pony. Yeah. I think the Gassio fight, if he can kind of reclaim his confidence, I think that that is much more interesting.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it.
0: Me too, man. All right, let's get away from this. That's a good, uh, you know, 30 minutes. Hey, we've spent an hour the last, you know, week and in the, in the last seven days talking about, you know, Something
1: that deserved that much attention. Exactly. I was just going to say, yeah, give us something that fucking deserves what we've given this fight the last two shows. I mean, I will do it every show, but we're we're served up plates of little dried up dog turds half the time. Yeah,
0: and those are really hard to get out of your flip flops.
1: (laughs) Yes, they are. All
0: right, so uh, let's go to the HBO card um, from Las Vegas, Nevada fight of this quality should not be on so fucking late, okay? Mm. Fortunately for me, I woke up with the bubble guts at 2 o'clock in the morning and couldn't fall back asleep, so I actually got to watch this in the middle of the night, Uh, but I did not make it to live television. Um, There's nothing more frustrating or uh, annoying in the current state of boxing than listening to an HBO boxing broadcast because they try to act like they're so all in, but this is the best that they're giving us right now is basically... You want to talk about a prospect champion? There's no more raw. I'm not saying his potential is not there. But really, I mean, you know, 21-year-old champion winning a, a 154-pound belt off of a very chinny welterweight,
1: right? A guy who was knocked out by Jesse Vargas. Who has very
0: below average power. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jaime Munguia squared off against Liam Smith. Now, for a 21-year-old, Liam Smith is a really good litmus test Mm -hmm. because not very many 21-year-olds are capable of fighting a guy as seasoned as Liam Smith, regardless of how Tesco Joey is, regardless of how vanilla he is, and I'm not talking about his skin tone, um, but one thing that is true about Liam Smith and most Joe Gallagher fighters is they implement sort of the same style. This was much different. Liam Smith knew that He was going to have to be aggressive. Otherwise, he was just going to be a punching bag for this kid. And what he did was in this fight was show the world, and especially those that have been on, you know, S in the Jaime Munguia D, right? (laughs) Right. Along the way, that Jaime Munguia is very, very far uh, from elite because as it stands right now, this is as far as he can go in his career. He is going to have to take a step back. Everybody's going to have to pump the brakes, and he is going to have to shore some things up, much in the same way that Oscar Valdez is going to after the fight against Scott Quick, right? Yeah. Allowing yourself to get hit so much because you don't know how to throw off-speed pitches. Jaime Munguia is violent. He whips his punches in there, Vin. But my boy has a giraffe neck that sort of gangles out goofily. You know what I mean? Like out in front, of him, like, which way did he go? Which way did he go? (laughs) Right. And he's just there getting hit by right hand after right hand. Nothing, there's nothing better in the world for a white Caucasian fighter right, to come off looking like they have amazing hand speed or that they've improved their hand speed than fighting against a Mexican fighter. When a white guy and a Mexican fight, it looks like they both have epic hand speed. Mugia is much more explosive. There's no doubt about it. But my boy whips and whines and he's herky jerky. You know, Kieran Mulvaney from HBO like kind of said it best this guy's like a you know a happily violent puppy. But at any moment, this puppy could trip over its own feet and take a nosedive. <laughs> I mean, he just looks so unrefined. Yeah. There are there's an excitement factor to this kid, but if they don't stop for a second, rewind the track and kind of develop him a little bit, it's gonna be a very short career.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think what was proven last night, excuse me, was if you don't give this kid room to operate and let him do what he wants to do, uh, you're going to have a lot of success going at the kid, coming right at him. And if Liam Smith can do that, um, you're you're in for a rude awakening when you take about a half step, uh, half step up in level of competition. Because once they get better than Liam Smith and they can implement what Liam Smith did at a higher, more elite level, he's going to be in for trouble. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm still, I'm all in on the kid as far as entertainment value that he brings. No doubt. Fighter. He's going to be in some great fucking highly entertaining wars over the next five years, but he also might be out of boxing in five years if he gets hit as much as he got hit last night. Yeah. You know,
0: it, 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 it could look um, remarkably similar to what happened to Edgar Valerio in his last fight? Yeah, a guy that we thought just devastating and violent. That that sort of aggression and his reputation—you right? Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of outlandish reputation, but a reputation nonetheless of being this just this violent, notorious fighter. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You know, you get to that level and you run into the likes of a Manny Robles the third. I mean, no no disrespect to him, but he was no different than Edgar Valerio at the time. No. You know, just just unproven. And I think Mungia getting this belt maybe a little bit too soon. He may have to go the road of Leo Santa Cruz and fight Mexican cab gr- driver 1, 2, Home Depot 3 and 4, and Lowe's employee
1: 5 and 6. Well, I, he may have to take that route for a little while. Yeah. I, I think his team, after watching that fight and sitting down and re-watching it uh, later, are going to say... Yeah, let's let's slow this down a little bit. Uh, we don't need to be going after fucking triple G, all right? Because if, if let's just put it like this: if he's you know what, he's 21 years old, he weighed 176 pounds coming into the ring last night. What that tells me is he's not too far from heading up to 160. Because cutting that weight to 154, yes, easy for a 21 year old man, uh, young man to do. But once you hit 22, 23, 24 years old, he's not going to be able to keep doing that. So when he steps up to middleweight. His his devastating, you know, punching power is going to come down to earth a little bit. He's going to be fighting guys that are the same size as him and can hit harder. And if he's going to continue to take punches like that, look, he's just he's going to be a guy that's fun to watch. But he's going to be a guy that gets the shit beat out of him every time he gets in the ring. And the career is going to last four or five years. And that is it. Period.
0: You're exactly right, because if you get touched up, especially in the first three rounds of this fight, as much as Jaime Munguia did against, I don't know, I wouldn't say that Liam Smith is one of the most unathletic fighters in boxing, But he's certainly in the top ten. What do you think, Jamal? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's not like he was in there against like Brother McGee from fucking Chicago, who got that hand speed. Well, and just (laughs) look—it wasn't that case at all. You had fucking Slow Joe Tesco and his little
1: mutant in the ring throwing half-speed punches. Just compare what Canelo Alvarez did to Liam Smith and what Jaime Mungia did. I mean, they're just the 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 separation there is. It it tells me. Canelo punches fucking harder than Mungi. I mean, I think everything that we thought about this kid, yes. I, I love it. I you know, I cannot wait for to see who this kid fights next. Uh, he's going to be in five fight of the year candidates by the time his career is said and done. I don't probably. know if he makes it that far. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but against skilled fighters, I I, I just think he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. I do too, especially if he's going to move up to 160. Yeah. I mean, who are you going to fight? Uh, Jamal Charlo would... would murk him
0: oh dude danny jacobs
1: would murk him yeah yeah. there's there's three or four five middleweights right now that would just destroy him
0: then you need to pay proper respect for liam smith for going the distance
1: um okay good job (laughs) that's all you're kidding i'm sorry
0: i mean a guy that is destined to be a journeyman yeah what kind of respect do you want me to give this guy okay he has signed a deal with the devil he is going to be average, a little bit above average, and he is going to get beat by he, – he, he's, 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 he's a proving ground for prospects. Yes. That's what this guy's going to be. He's going to be a journeyman for the rest of his career, and you want me to give him credit? For what? He lost. He fucking <laughs> lost. You know what I mean? He won the first three rounds of the fight. And then got knocked down in a round
1: and lost every round after that.
0: I mean, dude, credit for what? For what? He's the one that took the fight in America against a prospect. Oh, what Ken, did you think was going to happen?
1: You thought he was going to get knocked out in the second round. Doesn't therefore... matter. He lost. Right. It wasn't close either. So look
0: up the word "average" in the Webster's dictionary. He lost to you a... will see the Smith brothers. <laughs> He's lost to a twenty, an unproven twenty-one-year-old. Oh my God, man, he is. Uh, Mungia has a lot, man. Yes. So all those out there, you know, fucking slow it down. Yeah, slow it down, please. Um, All right, let's get to the fight preview. Uh, This Saturday night on Showtime from Los Angeles, California, a unification fight. The WBC and IBF lightweight championships will be on the line as Mikey Garcia squares off against Robert Easter Jr. If you would have told me that this fight was a possibility two years ago, I'd have been like, wow, man, this is going to be a lot for Mikey Garcia to handle because of the size and the length of Robert Easter Jr. and what we saw Robert Easter Jr. do to very suspect opponents, mm-hmm. right? He looked good against these opponents, right? He's got that brash swagger. He's being put out there. We saw him way before he even became a name in boxing, basically, you know, on his way up being Adrian Broner's sidekick in his funny-ass videos. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, Robert Easter Jr., we thought, would be more because how many times do you see a guy who's practically six foot tall at 135 pounds, you know, with that kind of athleticism? Now... The only reason this fight is happening, and you can say that Mikey Garcia is going for greatness, no. That's not the case. Mikey Garcia is going after one thing, the path of least resistance that will make him look good. So he has to balance what is going to make him look the best personally and what is the path of least resistance. Robert Easter Jr. has proven over the last 18 months in boxing that when the going get tough, Robert Easter get going. <laughs>
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, look, I... I I sit on the differ a little a little bit different side of the fence on this fight than you do. I do think Robert Easter is going to cause Mikey Garcia some problems early in this fight, but I don't think it's going to last very long because I believe Mikey Garcia to be one of the five or six best fighters in the world mm-hmm. and he will figure Robert Easter Jr. out in 3 or 4 rounds. But until then, you're right, the the, the length and, and and just the athletic ability of Robert Easter Jr we'll will allow him to have some success early in this fight and people will be going oh shit look robert easter man he might he might take this fight look no nah, uh, give mikey garcia some time he'll get it figured out and he will handle business in the middle to latter half of this fight uh i don't know if he gets a stoppage i'm not so sure about that but i you know i see him thoroughly dominating from round 3 or 4 on
0: yeah i agree with you and i think what we've seen from robert easter junior is that when things start to get a little tough for him, he gets flat-footed? Yeah, you know that athleticism gets thrown out the door because you got no your length advantage is predicated on your ability to move and keep that distance, mm-hmm. right? Standing flat-footed and sort of adapting, um, you know those those little reflexes and those um, you know I guess poorly learned habits from training and being around Adrian Broner. He does the same fucking thing. He's a poor man's Adrian Broner in that sense, that when the going gets tough, he reverts to these flat-footed. All of a sudden, he goes into this awkward shoulder roll. He can sense himself getting embarrassed, so what he does is try to you know, mitigate that embarrassment, Mm -hmm. right, with a little bit of showmanship and like, oh, 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 look at me. If I just do this, like these little bad moves, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I pop a locking in in here, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He'll just start flossing all of a sudden. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're seeing all these kids doing flossing and stuff. He'll just start flossing. What's he doing? he would be like, oh, he good, he good. (laughs) No, actually, that means Robert Easter Jr. is in trouble. Right. So I agree with you. I think that the size discrepancy here, you got a five-inch advantage in height here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mikey Garcia is going to it's going to get to the point unless that Robert Easter Jr. just comes out looking completely different than his progression and the pattern the path that he's been on um, over the last two years. I think it's just a matter of time.
1: Yeah, I, look, I, I attribute a lot of what Robert Easter Jr. is to a lot of kind of what Paul Williams was coming up as a fighter. You saw this kid that was young, and you went, "Man, this the, the match up advantages that this guy brings to the table with his length and, 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 and at that weight." He's, he's going to be able to dominate. It's not that simple. But Paul Williams never folded like an armchair. No, he didn't. He got hit and knocked the fuck out. But... Right, but he was tough as fuck, and he was awkward. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think Robert Easter has some of those attributes, and I think a lot of people kind of saw the career path and were thinking it was going to head that way. Sure. It's it, it's not, though. He's he's not quite there. I, the guy is, don't get me wrong, a good, solid fucking fighter. No doubt about it, but uh, he just lacks a little bit in, in that department to be – you know, a next level guy. Mikey Garcia is on, on a different stratosphere skill level.
0: I agree. Um, but I still think that there is a baseline to the moral of this story, okay? Regardless of what Robert Easter is, could have been, should be, right? Based off of his intangibles, Mikey Garcia does not take this fight if he feels threatened. That's what we do know about Mikey Garcia. He ain't going to take this fight because there's Robert Easter Jr. is not a big enough name. And there's no financial, you know, there's nothing there outside of taking another belt in this division and unifying and leading towards a possible fight with Vasily Lomachenko in a year from now, mm-hmm. maybe 18 months from now, right? There's no advantage to him fighting a five foot eleven brother who should have better hand speed, longer reach, maybe even more power. There's no upside to this fight unless Mikey Garcia knows. He's got a 100% chance of winning this thing.
1: Oh, he's 100% guaranteed that he's going to win this fight. I'm sorry. And he knows that. And you're right. That probably has a lot to do with, with why he took this fight. But I'll say this for, for for Mikey Garcia. I think that if you're going to build this to a total unification at 135 with, with Lomachenko and you just wanted to snag this belt to make that fight more lucrative, I'm all for it. Oh, because, me too. Me because too. that is uh from a skill level perspective, that's the best fight that can be made in boxing right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um and hopefully we get there. And hopefully that's why he's doing this. Yeah. You know? Um all right, Mikey Garcia versus Robert Easter Jr. In the co feature, King Kong Luis Ortiz returns from his fight of the year candidate um against Deontay Wilder. And, uh, you know, always look forward to seeing King Kong back in action. Always a threat to anybody that's in the heavyweight division nowadays.
1: Well, yeah, except now if he wants to get his crack back at any one of the heavyweight belts. Um, Now that he did show that he would be a serious threat to anyone that owns a belt, it'll take even longer for him to get back in that position.
0: Ah, he's 58 years old, man. He just wants to you know, cash a couple of Medicare checks.
1: Yeah, uh, just f- for me, based on his performance against Wilder, uh, if there's one guy in the heavyweight division that deserves another shot, not Dillian White. Not Dillian White, folks. Dillian White's no threat, though. He'll get a million shots. Uh, right. It's fucking Luis Ortiz, <laughs> but you're exactly right. He won't because there's plenty of other guys that carry a bigger name and are easier opponents.
0: Dillian White versus Joseph Parker takes place this Saturday night uh, from London, England. We talked a little bit about this before. I just I cannot believe it. Joseph Parker just lost. Okay, first off, Joseph Parker has had a pretty he's had a pretty tough road as a heavyweight coming up from a prospect to the Anthony Joshua fight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh has pretty much fought any any semblance of a challenge outside of a Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, but anybody from ranked like four down, he's pretty much fought all of them, right? Yeah. And he's Won pretty decisively along the way. He's had some tough fights, but this kid has, you know, now developed himself into a well-rounded, sort of polished heavyweight. Got a lot of crit- criticism for the perception that he stunk out the fight against Joshua. I think that had more to do with Joshua didn't know what to do in that fight, yeah, than 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 Joseph Parker being some fleet-footed stinker in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like he all of a sudden Joseph Parker <laughs> is mentioned in the same breath with Laura and Rigondeaux. Give me a fucking no. break, no. But what blows my mind about this is after losing that fight, okay, he's coming into this fight against Dillian White, not only as a B-side, but he's making 33% of what Dillian White is making. That is the thing that is so bizarre to me because guess what? Win, lose, or draw, Anthony Joshua is fighting the winner of this fight after he beats Povetkin. You think so? If Joshua gets through Povetkin.
1: Yeah, that's very true, and I, you know, I'm not so sure he would he would fight Parker again right away, but you can guarantee god to you that Eddie Hearn will throw Dillian White back in the ring with Anthony Joshua, like that.
0: He wants that Dillian
1: Deontay fight so bad though. Oh my god, <laughs> he, dude! He'll he'll he wants to put Dillian White and Anthony Joshua Joshua in Wembley Stadium, and quite frankly, they'll fill the place up. And to me, that is just it's uh, the thought of that is absurd to me. You're talking about a guy that I'm sorry. And I I I get it. I have a bias when it comes to Dillian White. I, there's something about the guy that just it fucking rubs me the wrong way, dude. I I do not like him. He's a fucking oyster. I can't stand the dude. His uh, his demeanor. I I try to watch the fucking uh. What's the the UK build up? The face off. Their face off style oh, show. Gloves off. The what? gloves are off. Yeah. Yes. I, I I. It's like eight nine minutes in. I'm like. Just fucking stop. Get get off my screen, you fucking guy. And he kept playing. Oh my god. <laughs> the guy just he, he just fucking calling Joseph Parker a coward and dude, clearly you know it, the guy is doing this for one fucking reason. If if Joseph Parker comes into that ring and doesn't stand toe to toe with him, he has zero shot of winning the fight because Joseph Parker will outbox him for 12 rounds and win 10 of them. And he, he knows that will happen. He needs Joseph Parker to stand and trade. It's like he needs any fighter to stand and trade. He's flat-footed, slow, plodding. He, he's not a boxer. He will get outboxed in this fight. I, I, I've never been so sure of something in my life, Ken.
0: Well, here's the thing, though. You better check your wallet on this one. Because if there was ever a fighter in a, in a town under a certain circumstance that would get an absolute bullshit decision... It would be oh. if this fight goes 12 rounds. I don't care how bad Joseph Parker makes Dillian White look. Dillian White's going to get the W. He's getting paid to get the W. You can't it, tell uh, such an average fighter would get be getting paid 4 or $5 million for a fight against a guy that just lost his championship belt. Unless, well, there might be some home
1: cooking in this one. And not like that's ever happened in the U.K. before. <laughs> look, I look at it like this. If they're going to rob him, it's going to have to be fucking highway robbery. Because uh, I just don't see this fight being any closer than 8 uh, 4 on Parker's worst night.
0: Oh, God. What if this set up to be like a fucking trilogy between Dillian White and Joseph
1: Parker? Well, I'm not watching. Give this. me some
0: hot pokers.
1: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm not watching the second one. I'll, I barely want to watch the first yeah. one, Ken.
0: Well, I'd like to get rid of my eyes sooner than later. <laughs> 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 Here's the thing we were talking, you know, we-, we opened the show talking about Alexander Usyk's, you know, uh, legendary masterclass. It'll be re- it'll be remembered mm-hmm. J- just the performance alone will be remembered and the accomplishment that came along with it. Give me Alexander Usyk, six to one favorite against Dillian White and Joseph Parker. Sorry,
1: yeah, yeah, I- I'd say a little bit closer for Parker, but yeah, against Dillian White, are you fucking kidding Could me? Could you
0: imagine how slow Joseph Parker would look against Usyk, though? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, he he's lo- going to look,
1: he, a lot of heavyweights are going to look slow against Usyk.
0: He may look lightning quick against Dillian White. Yeah. You know, but no, neither of these. And, and here's the thing. Joseph Parker and Usyk would be the exact same size, except Joseph Parker would have probably, I don't know, two or three dozen more King Rodeo burgers in <laughs> right. his gut. You know? it has got to be Burger King, baby. Hey, baby. You know what I'm saying? It's the king. <laughs> All right, interesting episode. Uh, Alexander Usyk lifts the undisputed cruiserweight championship of the world. The Muhammad Ali trophy is the champion of the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament. That man was decorated, wasn't he? Oh, they my could barely
1: God. Hold, keep all the belts on him. He's trying to raise the trophy. I'm saying He didn't my-
0: even have the ring belt. God damn. That's probably the lightest one, though. Yes. You know what I mean? It's half cloth. Um, but either way, hey, there's no room for it. No. Where are you going to put it, wrap it around his forehead?
1: it <laughs> <That'd> probably fit. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Jaime Mungia uh, squeaks by Liam Smith. Yes. And no, Liam Smith gets no extra credit whatsoever. No, sorry. You don't get extra credit for being the white guy that takes a beating. <laughs> no. Um. All right. And uh, we previewed Mikey Garcia, Robert Easter Jr., Dillian White versus Joseph Parker. And I think that'll be it. And then we'll be back next week to do the post fight of Garcia Easter. And we'll be previewing Sergey Kovalev versus. Elder Alvarez.
1: Ah, that's that's going to be an interesting interesting fight, Ken.
0: Very interesting. And I'm sure Juan Donna Stevenson will be a close uh, viewer. He'll be attached to his TV to see could I have handled Elder Alvarez or not.
1: <laughs> we we'll already ne- know he can't handle Kovalev, so. No.
0: No. We'll see him in a uh, workout video from McDonald's bathroom sometime soon. Superman is in the building, baby. When's the is is the Gavozich purse bid thing been figured out yet? Uh, did Al Heyman bribe enough people to get that yet?
1: I think there's some disputing going on as the, you know, one pulling out of the bid at the last minute and all that. Who the fuck knows? Delays, 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 Ken.
0: So basically, Adonis Stevenson's camp is doing everything to make sure that the fight doesn't happen. Is that that what you're telling me? Yeah.
1: You'll have to, you'll have to ask Lou DiBella.
0: I think Michael Woods is fitting him for a custom silk scarf right now. He doesn't have time. (laughs)
1: He's having breakfast with Heather Hardy right now? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's busy. Brooklyn boxing, in effect, making moves, making moves. Well, I guess on that note, we'll make a move, Vin. Absolutely. It's been a long day. Thanks for the uh, uh, the carry-out sausage gravy for
1: breakfast. Absolutely. I'm ready for it now. Actually, let's let's fall asleep to Tiger choking away the open.
0: I'm always down for that, man. Um, You know, still to this day, Tiger has not been able to come from behind and seal a victory in a major. Greatest of all time. Cause. Watch. We'll step out of the studio and he'll be fucking two shots in the league. It's <laughs> you know? all right.
1: He'll, he'll choke it away somewhere. All
0: right. Well, it's been a, uh, a very busy weekend. Um, Sometimes, there are advantages to having these international cards on during the day, but the disadvantages you start drinking that much earlier.
1: Yeah, and Sunday, Sunday shows become a problem. It has.
0: It has. Well, now it's nap time, but you get an early release of the Tale of the tape Boxing Podcast. Thanks for listening to Episode 212. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts. and Drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and subscribe to the show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. So that's it from the Usyk versus Gassiev post-fight. Jaime Munguia does the deal against Liam Smith. And we look forward to this weekend's fights as Mikey Garcia squares off against Robert Easter. We'll be back next week to preview Sergey Kovalev versus Eleanor Alvarez. Thanks for listening to episode 212 of the Tale of the Tape on BoxingRant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.